Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Welcome to Pili, Raul, and La Musica, supported by Sure Microphones and Jack Daniels. For more information, follow us at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Salud! Hey guys! Saludita! That. You got to cheers the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, you do? Yeah, when you see that, you have to, you know, you cheers everybody who's in front of you. Okay. And then you, you kind of tap the top of the bar, so you cheers to the bar as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, usually that's a bartender thing. See, that's why we have Jose Vargas here from Jack Daniels. Para orientarnos un poquito más the do's and the don'ts of, of how to really drink Jack Daniels well. I've learned so much about whiskey and bartending and the, the, the beverages that we were all enjoying at room number seven. I've learned so much thanks to this man right Eso here. Verdad. And thanks to him. You're listening to us, basically. So here we are with, um, we're actually at room number seven in Los Angeles, and I'm here with Jose Vargas from Jack Daniels, as I mentioned, and he is our hero. You guys are my hero. (laughs) Thank you, guys. This is uh, very honoring and a blessing. Thank you. Well, we wanted to do something special with you and something special with Jack Daniels and kind of go over the best of the last six Jack Daniels presenta Pili Raúl La Música en vivo from room It's been fun. So this is going to be kind of like a best of 2019 because we started in July, right? August, Mm -hmm. like that. So we've had some amazing times here. And everybody that's come through, so if you're listening and you've been part of the Jack Daniels room number seven experience for Pili Raúl La Música, then you know what we're talking about. But we're going to try to give the, the listener a little flavor, a little taste of what we've been able to do the last six months. Yes. Y un poquito de background, too, de, de la relación entre Jack Daniels and music. So, Jose, tell us a little bit more about like what you do here at Jack Daniels and also why the history of Jack Daniels with music in general. Sure. So my name is Jose. Uh, I work with the local team here in Los Angeles for Jack Daniels. And we have the privilege and opportunity to do cool things like this at room number seven. Music has a very deep root, uh, part of the DNA of Jack Daniels, from the distillery itself to a lot of the photos that you guys see around here. I don't know if you guys, I don't think we've talked too much about maybe some of the photos that you guys see when you guys kind of walk around. So we never really painted a full picture of what room number seven is really about when people listen to on, on the uh, on the podcast. But as soon as you walk in, there's photos of Sinatra, there's photos of Lemmy from Motorhead, um, the guys from The Who, all just drinking Jack Daniels on the wall. So there's really not too much branding other than just those images that are historical and are all your favorite musicians who are drinking Jack Daniels. Right. Well, when I think of Jack Daniels and rock and roll, I immediately think of the Rolling Stones. Yep. I think of Guns N' Roses. Yep. And just seeing the bottle of Jack, like sitting on top of an Amprac mm-hmm. or on top of a speaker yep. somewhere oh, yeah. at some crazy massive festival or concert. I did a stage production before this for a few years. And, you know, people who are in the industry know about artist writers. 
every artist writer has a bottle of Jack on it, at least <laughs> next to the uh, next to the the bowl of blue M and M's, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them. So, but why? Why is music you think so important for a brand like Jack Daniels? Uh, it's just again the history um, from the people from the distillery itself. If you go to the distillery, you see a rich history of you know the people who work at the distillery would bring their instruments and you know play on their shift or at the end of their oh. shift. Um, and then we say that a lot of the uh, success of Jack Daniels has been to this uh, singer. His name is Frank Sinatra. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. Uh, a um, times here and there. Sounds familiar. He yeah. was uh, he was our first brand ambassador essentially. He, he was the first roquero, right? In he Hispanol. was the first roquero, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, old uh, Ojos Azul, Blue Francisco Eyes. Sinatra. <laughs> Francisco Sinatra. Francisco Sinatra. Um, so, you know, he started drinking Jack, and at the time, he was the number one musician, singer in the world. So, you know, you see, if you're a musician and you see somebody on stage doing something, when you're starting off, you want to kind of copy what they do, right? right? So everybody was copying Frank at that time. So because he had Jack on stage, everyone else wanted Jack on stage. Right. Mm. And I mean, to the point where there's actually a Sinatra signature, which is one of um, Jack Daniel's yummy beverages that you should all try. So Jose and Raul and I met last year. Yes. Where we sat down and we're talking about the concept of bringing, bringing Pili Raul en la Musica en vivo in front of a live audience. Why did you say yes? I had to. I had to. I wanted to. Um, I mean, it, it somebody was, stuck a gun to your yeah. head and said, you got to help these two. It was It was perfect timing. It really was because um, at the time, room number seven was already here. We were already doing events, but they were mostly bartender events. We were doing bartender appreciation dinners. We were uh, doing mixology classes, what have you. And I don't come from a, back, uh, a background of bartending. I come from events, music, marketing, uh, experiential events. And so... I was begging and pleading my bosses, like, we should do something with room number seven that's interactive for consumers, that's engaging, storytelling. It's one of our brand principles to do storytelling. And, you know, what's the saying? The squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? So, like, after a few months of me saying that we should do this, we should do this, we should do this, we should do this, I think you guys came to an event that we were doing here. Yes. Right. We met, and you guys were talking to me about something you guys wanted to do, which was a podcast, and I'm like, I want to do, like, um... Uh, you know, I grew up with um, like MTV Unplugged. I'm like, I want right. to do that like in the space. Yeah. And I think it was just a perfect marriage of, again, uh, like-minded people trying to do something similar and just the stars aligning. We should also give a special thanks to Valdemar Cantu yes. as well because he's actually the one that invited us to the event here. And I remember coming down and I'm all like, Billy, this is it. We got we got to do it here. Yeah. That's immediately as soon as you walk down the stairs and you see the ambiance, the mood, the lighting and the vibe, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh yeah, I can see why it's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and people get it. We never, you know, we don't. We can't disclose where we are. Uh, we try not to because that's the that's the best thing is that it's a true speakeasy. If you don't know about it, if you're not invited, you don't even know that it's here. Right. You know, we're underneath a historical movie studio building built in the late 1800s. So it, the vibe as soon as you walk in already, walking into that, you're like, where am I? What is this? Yeah. And it's essentially you're time traveling into a whole nother era, right? There's some mysterious energy to it, but as soon as we walked in, it really felt kind of like home. And it's definitely been the our favorite night of the month since we've been able to do this um, starting last year. And the cool thing is everybody that's come through and has, like the way you were saying about experiences and doing that kind of event, everybody leaves with something really special. And it's different. Whoever you talk to, it's going to be a different answer, yep. which is kind of odd because it's they're here for the same thing, and it's a limited amount of people, and you get so many different responses. Yeah. The the goal with the, the, the space at the end of the day is 
to do two things. Either give back to those people who are fans of Jack. Right. So, you know, in the whiskey world, people who drink whiskey, it's kind of like country. You like it or you don't. You mm-hmm. know. It's, mm-hmm. So the, for those people who like Jack, they come to the space and they feel like this is their dream come true. Right. On the other side, you know, people come in who maybe don't like Jack. Right. And like other brands or like other types of spirits, you know, I've done events down here where people want wine or they want, you know, something right. that's not even, you know, uh, a, a spirit based. Right. right. And so the whole idea here is we really try to present Jack with from the mixology program is there's something for everybody. Even if you're a wine drinker, even if you're a tequila drinker, there's yep. something here for you. So yeah, I think a lot of people, too, when they go to some of these branded events, you know, they, they see maybe sometimes Jack is just the Jack and Coke that you have at a concert and right. that's it. But no, here we do things that really kind of brighten, uh, open people's eyes, you know. And we can attest to that because so many people that have come here as our guest walk out and say like, now I'm a fan of Jack Daniels. Like I didn't know you could mix Jack Daniels with this or that. I didn't know you could make this cocktail right. specifically. So it really opens up your your mind in many ways. And the different tiers, like you were talking about, because I've been a scotch drinker for, for years. Right. And when you introduced me to the single barrel select, I was all like, this is actually really, really mm-hmm. tasty. Right. And it's really smooth. And I would have never known if I wouldn't have come down and set foot in room number seven. Right. And right now we're actually sipping on some Jack Daniels Gold, which is kind of like the, the new member of the family. Gold 27. It's one of the newest kids on the block uh, for the family. Uh, it's a very special edition that just came out to the public last fall. Uh, you could only get it before then at the distillery at some uh, duty-free stores around the country. But now it's available no, to everybody. everybody. Yeah. So we've talked about Jack Daniel's connection to music, but more like Musica Americana in English. Uh-huh. We're all about Latin music. Yes. And I know you're a musician as well, yes. and you're a huge music fan. Why has Jack Daniel's said, you know what, Like, let's support the Latin community as well? Well, I think uh, it's foolish for any brand to ignore the Latin community. I mean, you guys had a great episode talking to uh, Niels and Stacy, right? Stacy the Hermes. That was a great episode, and a lot of the facts that you guys talked about on there is just, it's 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 reality. You know, I I was a Chicano studies major in college, right? So, like, I knew already the trends and the facts that were already kind of leading towards what the, the future was going to be, you know? And so, it, it, the Latino community, you can't, the Latino consumer, you cannot ignore, mm-hmm. right? Um, Jack has a foolish too. Yeah. yeah. Jack has a deep tie, you know, with music as I talked about. So doing like Latin music, Latin alternative music was my background. Again, it was it was easy for me to kind of convince my superiors and my team to be like this is something that is pretty easy to do, pretty turnkey, but yet pretty special at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. And we should invite people to actually check out the session with Stacy Adams because the the stats that are talked about are actually mind-blowing. Billy and I were actually at the NAM show recently. And we went to various, you know, booths and talked with various companies, sound companies, audio companies, and it was mind-boggling that still some people weren't even paying attention to the Latino community. Yep. And we're like, oh my God, you guys are just like missing the boat. Yep. Literally, we were like, I, we were in shock. Yeah. That there's like huge brands that don't even have any representative targeting the U.S. Hispanic market or any multicultural market. And we were like, what? (laughs) It was crazy to us. By the way, that is episode number 12, if you want to check out Stacey's episode. That might be my favorite episode that wasn't done here. Really? Yeah. Okay, talking about favorite episodes. (laughs) We've had Ozo Motley here. We've had Kinky here. We've got Maria del Pilar, Monsieur Perine. Um, We've had... La Santa Cecilia. La Santa Cecilia. Gabby Moreno. Yep. So... Which one has been your favorite so far? You know, there's a little bit of each one that I truly either identify with or was like kind of that like 
oh man moment when like, me sitting in the back because you guys you guys have the fun up here on stage i'm usually <laughs> i'm usually in the back just kind of making sure everything's going okay and make sure everyone's having a good time but it's still listening in and a lot of the some of the what the you know the bands and the artists were talking about um i can easily say like i was either there right right you're like oh my god i was at that concert yeah Mm. Or I can say like, oh man, I wish I was. I wish I was a fly on the wall during that one, you right. know. Right. Um, so easily, like right off the top of my head, like Santa Cecilia. So they were talking about how they started off, you know, at La Cita, and that that's where like they first started playing. And I think that she was talking about how she like crowd surfed and her feet were like up in the air. I'm like, yep. I either was underneath her or somewhere <laughs> nearby. I was at that show, like during that like crowd surfing moment. So love it, you know, love it. <laughs> All right, Jose, then you're you're gonna be the first one. You we're we're gonna let you go first, sure, because whatever episodes picked. The other person can pick it, right? Oh, is that fair? Oh, all right. that's hard. Okay. A little bit of a game, but all right. Yeah, but I can add on to the. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Right, absolutely, right, right. absolutely. I'll absolutely. be like, oh, by the way, so, there's no all right. rules. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we make the rules as we go. Right. That's how it works here, Pili Raul in la Musica. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, Jose, you get to pick first. Which one was your favorite episode? I'll start with the first one. Mariel Pilar. Really? Yes. Wow. Uh, we were so nervous for that we one because were. we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I hope these people invite somebody. People show up, you know? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and before you knew it, we had a packed room, which yeah. was great. For Maria del Pilar, yeah. you know? It was yeah, awesome. it was so, awesome. Maria del Pilar from Los Abandoned and all her solo work. So why is it your favorite episode? Because it was the first one that we got to do. It was the start of a beautiful friendship, I think, and the start of something completely authentic and unique. Um, again, I've been in the industry for about 10 years doing events. Uh, my, f you know, the f I remember LA, LA TV. Mm, yeah. I remember like illegal interns. Mm -hmm. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but I came to LA with LA TV. They're the ones not. who brought me here. I and not. I used to be at LA TV for a while as well. So I had family that was working over there too. You guys, well, you know, Isabel. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, so I remember, you know, watching videos of Los Abandoned, of all these bands, most of them that we've had on, on the show. So for me, that was like, I remember Los Abandoned. I remember going to see <laughs> them. I remember, you know, wanting to be them like, oh, Van Nuys, like I'm just down the street. So then I'm like, oh, well, I'm from Ventura County. I'm just on the other side of the valley. So I'm like, that could be me one day, you know. Right. So that one to me was, was pretty special. And then I knew a little bit about her story or their story at Los Abandoned. I didn't know how they formed or like how they come up with the name. Oh, yeah. So if yeah, you yeah. listen to that, like they were all like kicked out of other bands. So they yep. were the Abandoned. Like, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, and then the whole like therapy session at the end, like her mom passing away and my mom mm -hmm. passed away. So I, I aligned with that, you know right off the bat and I thought that was really cool and interesting to kind of see her and listen to her how she dealt with it and put it into her music as well. I, I love that. I think that's the beautiful thing about music and the power music how uh, you can relate to either the song the artist the moment it's really powerful where it takes you back to whatever it may be you know whatever yeah. that experience that that memory and that's really the power of music. And the power of storytelling too which is what you're saying like Jack Daniels is really invested in storytelling when you hear these stories that we're able to share then you're like, oh my God, it all makes much sense. You feel like you're closer to the artist. And what did you think of her performance? Because it was her in a ukulele. Her Even performance was great. You know, and that's the other thing that we we don't get to showcase the music in the podcast right. for legal purposes. But if you come to room number seven, you're treated to a little performance. Right, and that's what I was saying before. Like my my envision when we you know first kind of had these conversations, was like I want like an MTV unplugged mm -hmm. vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember again growing up at that time, those were like some of the best performances shows you know recordings whatever yeah. that you could ever see like look at the you know the nirvana unplugged yeah. <laughs> that one was like i mean in my opinion their 
best Mass, album. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. some some people might hate me for saying that, but I'm like, <laughs> it was iconic. It's, you know, music wise all over the world. Um, so to see her on stage, you know, stripped down mm-hmm. with just a ukulele again, it's powerful. It's it's storytelling. It's it's a moment that she's sharing with the audience. And I think right. the audience is very lucky and I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to, to see that. I'm torn between Ozma Motley and Kinky because they were both so funny. So I'm going to go with Kinky because it was really funny and I could I just could not stop <laughs> laughing. I thought the way that they were telling the the reality that happens backstage was so truthful that they did not hold back. Nope. At all. And I, it, it, those are the real, like the moments that make them so real that you're like, you forget that they're musicians. You're like, oh my God, this could be my buddy. I could totally <laughs> be hang, hanging out with this dude. Right. I love when they were like all ripping in the gill. Like they were like yeah. just making fun of him for being like the singer, like el mas presumido, el mas yeah. ego, el mas dinero, el mas billete. Sí. Ego, ego, ego. <laughs> best car, best girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, like seeing that dynamic between the band too, it's really cool. Because you see them on stage and you don't really know the dynamics right. behind it, you know, and you got to see that here. So I, Kinky is my favorite episode thus far. And, and they are, and we get that across the board from, we, we do pick up and coming bands for the for the podcast and up and coming artists but for room number seven we really kind of focused on people that have a story and, yeah. and a legacy already so with kinky that have been doing it for what close to 20 years now yeah and all these bands what comes across they're all like brothers mm-hmm. you know and that's really what they, they needle each other they poke at each other it's really cool well i'm glad you didn't pick ozomatli because ozomatli <laughs> was my favorite one i mean they've all been really good and it was really tough to pick because they're all like kind of our babies yeah you know so to pick one over the other is really hard but because i've been such a fan of ozo motley since way back in the day since the first record since the first demos and watching them at all the little concert venues and clubs around la and the east side it's like they're like my brothers Mm -hmm. you know and i can relate to them and hear their stories when they talk about you know their parents or their tios you know and and it's cool when you 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 hear some of the stories like in the episode and just like with kinky they didn't hold back no as soon as we said oh no there's no censors you can say f-bombs you can say bad words (laughs) we don't censor oh man that opened up the floodgates for Mm -hmm. uli and asdrew and will and they even started talking smack to some of the audience they're like are you from pico rivera like hey 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 easy there easy there easy there no but it was like a roll call because you know that's the community of la it's not just la you got all the suburbs and specifically the east side so you're talking bell gardens bell downey pico rivera of course east la and then you know once a little bit later on then you migrate to the west side and then oh wow i got to santa monica or you get to hollywood or whatever so (laughs) it was it's one of those things where you're talking with a band that's been doing it and it's still the same core and they're still doing it so those guys were 25 years right more or less yeah yeah so they've been around they've been around and for me it's just how open they were Mm -hmm. as well you know they didn't hold back you know yeah i I said a couple of stories about finding uh, an ozomatli record at amoeba and he goes oh yeah but that's kind of like you know lifting a scab you know or, or poking into a wound because you can't put them into a little box. You can't put them into a genre. So I would piggyback off of that because I started out, one of my first jobs was just passing out flyers, passing out <laughs> stickers, passing out albums of Ozo Motley at um, you know, different concerts. And because they were so diverse, I was passing stuff out at hip hop shows, I was passing stuff out at rock concert, I was passing stuff out at the bowl because that's where 
somebody from that you know from those different genres knew about them. Right. So, <laughs> like usually, if you're trying to promote like a Latin band, you just go to the Latin show and pass stuff out there after it's all done. You know? And oh my God, our, our poor engineer Mario Diaz, you know, because there's well, how many came? Six. Was it six all six or seven, of them yeah. came. Yeah, yeah right. A lot of them. And and poor Mario, he goes, they're all gonna be on stage. I go, well, yeah, they all want to talk. You know, <laughs> yeah. they they don't. Nobody wants to be left out because it's like the brothers. You yeah. know, it's like, well, why does he get to do it and not me? You know. <laughs> well, and it's also because we've been able to create a space where artists can genuinely and openly tell their stories without holding back, and they don't get to do that a lot when right. they're out there promoting their work. Right. And I think it's also it's unique for them to come into the space also because you know being here with you guys when they're doing sound check they walk in like they also don't know what they're walking into yeah. you know most of them haven't been here and now some of them even come back for other things like Will Dogs yeah. come back a few times right and yeah. Raul has been back yeah. as well yeah, yeah. yeah we should have like a hidden camera <laughs> as when they come down the Get stairs of room 7 yeah like oh my god this is so cool yeah. but you know that also brings us back to our purpose of doing Pilita or en la Musica in general has always been to sit down with artists and create a space for them to feel safe, to really open up and share stories that have never been heard before. And when you do it live in, fr in front of an audience and in such a beautiful, intimate space as room number seven, like you said, they open up even more, mm -hmm. you know, and those are the special moments that we bring yeah, to most, the podcast. Most interviews are going to be really short. They're going to be like five, 10, maybe 15 minutes. Here we can do with our extended interviews for Pili Rola La Musica, they're 45 minutes. They're even an hour. They yeah, can be longer. They get to expand on so many things that they probably would never get a chance to talk about. Yeah, right. and because we're in front of an audience they get to ask questions as well, which is really cool, you know, yeah. because obviously Pili and I, you know, we go through their discography, we go do research and we figure out what we're going to ask them. And inevitably, every time we forget, oh, yeah, we should have asked that. And luckily, there's an audience <laughs> here that brings it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. of course, I wanted to find out why they do the, the conga line and the way they go out into the crowd after. And we didn't ask that in the interview, but somebody asked that out in the audience. And I'm all like, yeah, great. I'm glad you asked that, you know? <laughs> I think it's great that you guys open it up for the audience uh, Q&A, because that's another thing is like, okay, one thing is you get to come to a cool, intimate performance here and get to watch them, you know, the crowd of, you know, 50 people. But then you also essentially get to hang out with them. I mean, most of the most of the bands have hung out here, you know, before yep. yeah. the Q&A even starts, before the podcast even starts. So you get a chance as a fan to, you know, rub elbows a little bit, have a cocktail with your with your favorite Artists, right. and they get to ask them a question too, you know. So Sweet. I think it's it's a great moment to, to have for people. For sure. By the way, those of you who are listening to us um, in Los Angeles, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Pilita en la Música. And if you ever do want to be part of Jack Daniels presenta Pilita en la Música en vivo and be part of Room Number Seven, just you know, send us a DM. Yeah, we we often give away some passes to you know Uber fans, and that's really the way we get to connect with that audience and the artist Absolutely. gets to connect. So it's a win-win for everybody. So now let's get into like more specific. What has been your favorite moment? So we know Maria Pilar, what's your favorite episode, favorite sure. moment and why? Monsieur Perine. Mm -hmm. So my favorite little bit about that podcast was when they talked about what the name actually means. That's I didn't so know either. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a part of the body. Uh, in English, it's called Gooch. And it's, it's here. So you know. It's, the word is like, it's a medical word in, in Spanish, perine. Everybody mistakes the word with uh, use peroné. full name, like perone, which is a bone. But perine is like perineum, which is like a medical term, so nobody uses it. 
and we just when we were playing at these gigs you know with um, fancy gigs fancy people yeah like very elegant high class po posing um, gigs um, <laughs> people yeah very snob so we they always said hey do you have a card do you have a name can you can you give us please your your phone because we want to hire you for the next weekend so we didn't have a name we just invented like a character. french character <laughs> Uh, which was like Monsieur Perinet, like an elegant guy, but he was like Mr. Gooch. Nobody knew. It was a joke for all these people that were very snob and that they thought that all that was European and especially French and English was more elegant, better, you know, crafted or anything. Like uh, like high culture, it's from Europe and uh, all Latin American, but we are is not so great. So we were like mocking that attitude. And, and, and it's that's stuck. how it's and we, <laughs> see, and we still are. <laughs> so at the end of the episode, uh, people didn't hear this, but during a lot of the episodes, probably people can hear the mixers going on in the background or people kind of moving around in the back because we're in a bar, so people moving around. But then at the performance, I don't know if you guys remember, but she was like looking for something to like shake, like el huevo or like a tambourine oh, yeah, yeah. or something yeah, to, yeah. to, to shake, shake to dance. Because the whole thing is talking about how they dance and whatnot. And so one of the bartenders just threw a bunch of like Jack Daniels bottle caps into a shaker, a cocktail <laughs> shaker. I love that. I didn't know what was in it. I saw when they brought it up yeah. there. And she was on stage. There's photos of her, you know, shaking a Jack Daniels shaker. I love To that. get the rhythm out of a, you know, a tambourine or something. That she was. That's really cool. That's very cool. I've used the salt shaker yeah. at times, <laughs> a pepper shaker, whatever. Anything that gives you that, yeah. you know, that's, that's it, you know. That so. was very creative of the bartender, though. Yeah. Like, wait, I, I, I have a solution for this. Which is the other thing, too. Like, we be kind of become friends with your staff, yeah. you know. Not to toot our horn, but according to your staff, we're their favorite event here you are the favorite i mean event here. i don't know if they're just being nice i want to believe them <laughs> i give i give them all the credit so the, i am just a guy who got lucky to get approval to do this kind of stuff but the staff is really the ones that really make it all happen you guys make it all happen so they're, they're awesome the, the staff here is amazing and like i said their cocktails are so good so my favorite moment was when kinky talked about heel <laughs> again back to heel <laughs> back to heel um he was performing, he was about to go on stage with the Theater del Norte, yeah. and he had taken something previous to that backstage with some friends, and it hit him on stage, and just his reaction of, how am I gonna survive being on stage with Los Tires del Norte, while this is hitting me really hard, but it was really funny, and it was very awesome that he was comfortable enough to share that specific moment. Yeah. Uh, we were we were in this festival in, in, in Monterrey, in Pal Norte, yeah. And we were doing, in that era, some shows with the Tigres del Norte as well. So we some sometimes we share the stage, but in that particular Pal Norte, we perform around, let's say, nine. Mm -hmm. And they had to perform at one in the morning, something like that. So always Monterrey is pretty complicated because not even just a bunch of friends always come and the backstage is filled with people and friends, but also the parents. <laughs> so some, sometimes even the nephews and you know, like people that you have to be well-behaved. You gotta behaved. limit some Well-behaved. So in that particular one, uh, Los Tigres, they were kind of asked if I can perform with them uh, one of their songs. And obviously I said yes. But then the time passes, and then I was like so anxious that my parents went away, and uh, finally they did. 
So because there's a bunch of like really, really close friends and they were having this uh, chocolate with mushrooms. So <laughs> once that they went out, like I, <laughs> we, we all ate it and then hey, we were partying. And then like suddenly at one in the morning, everybody was really crazy. <laughs> and my manager came like, you have to come to Tigres and Norte and perform with them. And I was like, no, 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 please, no, no, no. No, you have to, you have to, you have to. So they grabbed me and practically like throw me on stage. Did they look like tigers? And all my friends, <laughs> <laughs> all my friends were like, like just laughing her asses off in, 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 in the side of the stage. And I had to perform and I was, it was like so crazy. And I was looking at big hats and you know, like <laughs> this, these guys are like, iconic but they are also weird looking they look like uh, <laughs> they they have you know the facelifts and the and the and the wigs and all that but tigres we love you and we would love to have you guys on our podcast with Pili, Raul, and don't listen to what he says so we were I you was, look amazing. I was performing. I was performing and looking at this like bizarre world and like trying to remember the the words and everything and finally I was done and I was so relieved. And then like the Tigre Mayor <laughs> se, uh, w w come with me and he, and he said, Nos echamos otra, okay? And did you have to perform another? I had to perform the other. Hey, when a Tigre asks. When the Mayor Tigre asks. The, the, the good thing is that if you don't know the words, you just said, <laughs> at, at the end of each, fr of each phrase and you're gonna be okay <laughs> and you survive I thought that was hilarious I mean because <laughs> uh, I've seen those guys close up so even not on drugs they're I can understand that it, they, they're funny they looking look a little bit <laughs> <of> dudes <laughs> right nos echamos otra yeah <laughs> I love that. That was so. I, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> I thought that was genuine and way too funny. There were so many. I mean, I could reference any of the moments from Oza Motley or La Santa Cecilia where they're talking about like how some of the songs were inspired by, you know, death in the family mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. But for me, it was actually in the last episode with Gabby Moreno. You know, we're very fortunate to do what we love and what we enjoy to do. I think Billy asked her something like, do you consider yourself successful? Mm -hmm. I do because I really feel, and this might sound cliche, but I, I really believe it. Like you're successful when you're doing what you love. So, so yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really living the American dream. I mean, the fact that I mean, like a little Guatemalan girl, you know, came here to the United States and, and the fact that I can, tour and I can do shows in Europe and in the US and Australia I don't care if it's for a hundred people or or in festivals where there's more people but that to me is like it's incredibly successful so um, yeah I, I mean I'm so blessed um, and thankful for for the music those kind of things is like those moments that you can't script that and when you have that kind of experience, it's just mind blowing. So many people like are maybe stuck in a dead end job or don't like where they're going to work or they have to commute for two hours every day. And somebody like Abby Moreno or any of the bands that we're talking about, or even what Billy and I do or what you get to do, we really enjoy what we do. And Same. it 
brings this passion to the conversation and to the way you are and the way you interact with people and the way she said that it was just beautiful it almost like made me like tear up a little bit mm -hmm. when i heard it to see somebody like abby moreno where it's like wow she's a megastar she's traveling all over the world but to be just that raw and uh, open and, and sincere humble. about it, mm -hmm. it it's really really cool to hear yeah so talking about passion for work why do you love what you do um, well, I mean, I'm a musician myself, so I like music. My first concert was, I think, Jaguares and Jumbo. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Yeah, nice one. Nice. So, like, I, I'm the youngest of three. My sister is 10 years older than me. My brother is six years older than me. So, you know, growing up underneath their, you know, coattails, they were in Rock and Español when I was still in elementary school or in elementary. So, you know, I got, uh, you know, introduced to that early on. And then whenever I've done anything career-wise, I want to try to bring that back to anything that I do. I love history. I like learning mm, about stuff, okay. right? I like learning little tidbits and facts here and there. Earlier, I talked about, you know, Frank Sinatra was like the first like influencer that we've ever had, right? One of the things that like I learned kind of on my own was that it was really because of Chavela Vargas that Jack Daniels became what it is. You've okay. You got to share that story with everyone because it's such a good story. So the story goes that Frank Sinatra was uh, married to Ava Gardner. Ava Gardner uh, broke his heart or they were having some issues as, you know, people in relationships do. So he started drinking Jack and he said, this is the nectar of the gods. And you know, that, that part is the well-known history is because of the relationship or the breakup that he was having with Ava Gardner. So after I have this job for, for like a year, I'm like watching TV and uh, my sister says, hey, there's a Chavela Vargas documentary. Watching the documentary and during that time, they talked about how Chavela Vargas was in Acapulco and that's when she kind of had her like rise to fame. And at that time it was like in like the 50s. So like a lot of like Hollywood actors and like musicians would go to Mexico to have their holiday in Acapulco and like Chavela Vargas would play for all these famous people. <laughs> but because she was closet LGBT, right. right? She, a lot of times she would bajar all the novias from all the actors, right? So she would steal all these famous celebrity actors <laughs> girlfriends and wives and so like in the documentary she's like listing off like who she like had relationships with and one of them was Ava Gardner so then I started putting like kind of the timeline together and I'm like oh my God. if it wasn't for a Latina LGBT experience Jack wouldn't be where we were today right because Frank wouldn't have Wow. Gone to Jack for support. <laughs> that is lovely. I love that. <laughs> Sorry to hear it. That's the reason, you know. Yeah. I'm not. It's well, awesome. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I think uh, talking about like why I like doing stuff for the Latino music, the Latino world. I'm Mexicano myself. So whenever I, when I learn those things, I'm like it makes me more passionate about what I do or the brand that I work for. I'm like, that's cool. I'm gonna. I, I tell that story whenever I get a chance. Mm, I love it. It's a That's, good story. It really is. <laughs> Something that we love about doing events here at Room Number 7 is that you guys have thought about every single detail from having the band's name and the Jack Daniels logo on the screens to having the menu with our logo. But most importantly, and something that people really like love is the fact that you guys name the drinks that are being served that night by the titles of the songs of the artists mm -hmm. that we're interviewing. How did that come about? Just from doing events forever, you know, it's like the little details, right? So, you know, we're talking about people walk in and they see the details of the bar and the lights and the, the decor, right? So 
the drink menu should be no different. The drink menu should be a, a detail. It's the first thing people see when they go to the bar. So they're looking at the menu. Um, here at room number seven, we have our, our pretty much our signature drinks, right? So you have your, your typical old fashioned Sazerac's Manhattans. So those will, were pretty standard. But then, you know, working with you guys, knowing that we want to make this special and as a tribute to the artists, you know, we have some, some of their song names, which for the most part, I know most of them, or you guys know most of them. Right. So we work on it together, and you know, I, I in my mind, then kind of see which one goes with which. You know, if if it's something, if a song has like f- like fuego in it, then I'll make that the tiki drink because that one comes out with you know the sugar cube on fire, right? right? So it's just a matter of like kind of thinking, and then sometimes I'll change a little bit of the song title, like a little bit, so it kind of also makes like a little bit of sense, right? Like I, I'm trying to think of um like uh, like. Tempo Viejo was what was one of the song titles, and I'm like, well, that's the old fashioned, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. I forget from what artist, but um, I think for Nortec, right? Tijuana makes me happy. I did like Tiki Juana makes me happy. Oh, very so, cool. So you know, it's something that at least goes with the idea and right. theme and makes sense. And you did the popsicle one for Ozomali, so which Ozo I thought that was really funny too. So for Ozo, yeah, you guys, we talked about uh, you know one of the songs, Paleta. So we have a yeah. drink menu here, it's Paleta. Or pot, like we call it a creamsicle. So if you guys ever had one of those, well, if you guys had it that night, you know what I'm talking about. But it's you know those old you know paletas that, with orange on the outside and then like uh, vanilla on the inside. That's what it tastes like. It's a creamsicle. That's right, what it tastes like. Right. It's pretty so. impressive. That was pretty tasty. Yeah. And also like the artists really appreciate it, you know, and they're geeking out about it. They're like, oh my god, and they, they're taking pictures of it and putting it on their social media. So it's a very nice. We detail. got a couple surprises for the next one for you guys. Oh, cool! Very cool. All Can't right. wait. So if you're ever in LA. And if you're visiting, become a friend of Jack because hopefully you can get into room number seven because it's really a cool spot and definitely seek it out. So to finish off, as you know, and every time we do on En Vivo, we finish off with seven questions because we are at room number seven after all. Sure. So you're not going to escape this. I was wondering if this was going to happen. You are a victim of the seven questions of room number seven. Are you ready for this? Yes. Well, we have a pre-show ritual, but what would be like your pre-event ritual? So when I used to be a musician, when I was before I would go on stage, I would listen to The Doors. Oh, okay. Which so, they drank Jack Daniels as well. I'm more than certain that they did. <laughs> <laughs> so I would listen to The Doors, or I just kind of like listen to something very um, ominous, dark music to kind of like clear my mind or kind of like instrumental music, kind of not think about anything. Okay, and now that you're doing events, do mm-hmm. you have a pre-ritual? You just as, cross as your fingers up. You know, don't bring too many people and you yeah. have to kick them out. Okay. <laughs> I've seen you guys do some stuff behind the bar, like right when the when the when the night's about to begin. So here at room number seven, and I think this is pretty uh, standard in uh, restaurant or hospitality bartenders, is that there's a what they call pre meal or family meal because a lot of times bar staff will not get to eat dinner. Right. Well, everyone else is having a good time at the event, and everyone's eating all the, <laughs> the delicious past hors d'oeuvres. The poor bar staff, pobrecitos, like uh, before doors open, the staff gets together. They'll pour a little shot of their favorite Jack, uh, and they'll say, "Thank you, guys. You know, here's to a good event." And they'll take, they'll cheers, and like I showed you guys earlier, you cheers the bar, yeah, and then drink a shot, and that's their pre-meal or the the game meal, See, family meal. I've learned something new with Riste, this episode. That's Riste. what happens. I've learned something new with every episode that we've had about all the artists and all the guests. Right. So. That's one for today. <laughs> and the Chavela Vargas story. Yeah, yeah Chavela Vargas story. It's yeah. very good. Okay, this is not this question is not part of the seven questions, but it's since okay. you since you mentioned they drink their favorite Jack Daniels, what's yours? Uh I would say either rye or the single barrel select. Por qué? Uh I think they're the most complex and they're most unique. So rye is the first uh rye that or recipe that Jack Daniels come out with 
that's different than <laughs> since day one. Uh, and then the single barrel, once you learn about the history of Jack and like how the process of that we're the only whiskey maker that makes our own barrels, okay. you really appreciate that expression and you see the differences in each. Got it. Which one's your favorite? I think Gentleman. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I would go with the single barrel select, but the Applejack is dangerous, man. It that is. is so friggin' good. It, but it, very dangerously good. Yes. People, it's not sweet. I mean, it's not as sweet as you would think. No. Like you smell it and you're like, oh my God, it's going to be so sweet. And I, I'm not into yes. sweet drinks. Right. That's why I like whiskey. And when you taste it, it's so good. It's, it's so almost good. a perfect like holiday drink because it like has kind of that apple flavor of kind of holiday cinnamon vibe. Yeah. Um, so it's it's great, especially when it's cold. You're in a hot toddy. Right. It's delicious. But I'm still going to go with the single barrel select. It's fine. You can mix a little <laughs> bit of both. All right. So... The next question is, what is the first album that you bought, borrowed, stole, whatever? The first album, which was a tape, was a soundtrack to La Bamba. Really? Yes. And I wore that tape out like crazy. Oh. And the first song I learned how to play on the guitar was La Bamba. Bamba. Yeah. Nice. So I love that. Los Lobos, uh, that whole soundtrack was, was phenomenal. Well, then 2020 is going to be a good year for you. Yeah, yeah. We might have a little surprise for you Sweet. later on. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Okay. Who is your musical crush and why? And as you know, it could it could be a guy or it could be a woman. So I think I shared this with um, what's her name from Monster Pretty Ne? Cata Catalina. I think Catalina uh, John Mayer. Oh, okay. I think she was the one that said that that yeah, was, she that was did. hers too. Yes. So he was one of the reasons that I started playing the guitar. So I, again, I grew up in the suburbs. So at the when I was growing up, you know, your body is a wonderland was like the number one thing. People were into like Dave Matthews, like Jason yep. Mraz, like all these singer songwriters, right? And I remember going to like parties and there was always that dude in the corner busting out the guitar, like playing your body's wonderland. And, like all the girls are right there. And I'm like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> okay. That's a good one. <laughs> nice. All right. So the next question is, if you could time travel to any musical era, which one would it be and why? I would say, I think 65, 75 is one of the most common ones. Everyone says one of my first big band crushes was the Doors, even though I never got to see them or, you know, what have you. Um, I've seen some of the other members already, um, but I love, you know, the psychedelic rock, the Motown back then. I'm huge on Motown. Uh, I grew up with all that stuff, all oldies and whatnot. <laughs> okay, that's a good era. Did I tell you the story about Bob and the Rolling Stones? No. The time travel? No. Oh, my God. So Apogee's been really kind to us, and they hook us up with, like, different equipment. Mm -hmm. But Bob Clearmountain and his wife, Betty Bennett, run Apogee. That's their company. And Bob Clearmountain, he's like the engineer to, he was Bowie's, um, Rolling Stones, Bruce Springsteen. I mean, massive, massive, massive array of artists. Legendary, right? So I walk in to Apogee one time when KCRW was doing an Apogee session, and they're talking about time travel. And they're all like, it, it works. We know it, it, it could work. It could work. It, it has to work. work. <laughs> but they were, they, it was Bob. They were convinced. They were convinced. They, and, and they were like, it was Bob, Sergio, and, and Brandon, you know, the, the, his, his assistants there. I walk in on the conversation and they're like, it doesn't matter if it works or doesn't. It's like, the question is, where are you going to go? Yeah. And they were all just stumped. Right. So they were all talking about time travel, but they couldn't figure out where to go. Mm. So I go like, I know where I want to go. And Bob looks at me and goes, where? I would like to go to the session when the Rolling Stones are recording Miss You and watching the engineer pee his pants because that's going to be like a massive, massive hit. So I just wanted to be a fly on the wall, just looking at the engineers, look at each other and go like, holy shit, this is going to be such a massive, massive song. Right. Bob looks at me like, if I'm full of shit, he goes, 
are you are you crazy? <laughs> what? Really? I go, yeah, why? It's a very specific moment, but yeah, I, I can very see why. specific yeah, moment, but I can right? see why. And he goes, that would be me. I would be the engineer that you would be looking oh, at. Oh, wow. Because he engineered all Whoa. the Rolling oh, Stones so cool. pretty much to the point that even like we saw him at NAMM and he goes, oh, yeah, Mick and Keith just sent me some new music. So the Stones are coming out with new music that Bob is engineering again. And well, I can't, I can't approve that because then if, the, if he goes back in time and like he, his past self sees his future self is going to freak <laughs> out, yeah, he's going to stop recording yeah, no, no. and it's going to be a horrible album. But but the fact that, that I didn't realize that it was him that I would be talking about and and I'm telling him the story he goes, uh, that would be me. Yeah. I would be that, that engineer. I'm crazy. all like, uh, and then the story goes on and on and on. Right. But we don't need to get into that's that. Awesome. But, but yeah, that's like, it was. It's not like whether it works or doesn't work. It's where are you gonna go? Mm-hmm. All right. So the sixties, right? Sixty-five to seventy-five. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's cool. Okay, any backstage anecdote or any special cool anecdote that you can tell us of something that has happened here at room number seven? Can I tell you? No, it's (laughs) (laughs) It's that good. No. (laughs) What happens Um, behind that door over there where those stairs are and it looks like the that's where the ghosts live. I know, that's where Kukui is, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's where the ghosts live. Um, So is this place haunted, by the way? I think it is. I think most of the staff will probably tell you that it is too, because there's another basement below us. What? What? Yeah. So we thought we were in the basement. No, there's another basement below us, and Whoa. there's all kinds of props down there from like I think like Gone with the Wind, like Charlie Chaplin films that like. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Can we go down there? We I don't go want after to. this. Sure. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. All right. You guys right. can tell me all about it. All right. It. So. Um, so have you heard anything like yeah. any weird? Yeah. There's like a dude like you always hear down there. You know? No way. <laughs> really? This building is over 100 years old. What do you oh think? Oh my God. Now okay. we gotta go. Maybe gonna... this is my favorite <laughs> episode, like, ep- favorite moment of an Let, episode. Let's, let's pause and go continue recording down there. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no. no. I, I would not I that. enjoy that at all. Oh, okay. That's crazy. So, all right. So, that's, but what else has happened? Like, any crazy story? Because I know you guys have had have had some really cool events here. Sure. With Mayor Hawthorne, you told me about. So, that was one of my, selfishly, one of my favorite. He, he'd probably be my number two crush. Okay. So, Mayor Hawthorne. So, when I had a chance to do something with him, we did an album release party for him. And I remember, um, uh, you know, I was, I never asked to, like, meet artists. So I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. Like I, I always try to kind of yeah. be a fly in the wall, right? You're cool about that. You're cool. But I'm usually geeking out. But yeah. with him, I was really <laughs> geeking out. And so like the whole night, I'm talking to his manager. I'm wanting them. It was like you know working with him and his and his friends. It was like an album release party. And so we're listening, you know, to the album. Then he gets up on, starts like DJing. Yeah. And all my staff knows that I'm like man crushing over here on the yeah. side. <laughs> I'm like, you should go talk to him. You should go talk to him. I'm like, nah, nah. I'm like, I need something like to like. I'm not just gonna go there like, hey, I'm a big fan, and like walk away, right? Because I don't know, what, I don't know what to say when it's somebody that I really like admire. I don't know what to say. A um, couple more single barrel selects, and yeah. you're good, man. <laughs> so <clears throat> we're like, oh, what if we give him a bottle? So I'm like, okay, cool. And then it'll be like, this is from like room number seven, Jack Daniels, to you, right? Right. right. So it's a perfect excuse, right? And so I know that he had toured and done like some like Rat Pack tribute, oh. and, he, and he would do like Sinatra uh, songs. So I'm like, let me give him a bottle of Sinatra. Perfect. For whatever reason, we did not have it here. <gasps> 
No. So I run across the street to the liquor store <laughs> and buy a bottle of Sinatra. Luckily, it was like the one bottle they had. Wow, and like, yeah. It had like dirt on it for who knows how long it's been there. Oh, my God. So I buy the bottle to come back, and I tell the manager, I'm like, hey, is it cool if I give this to, to Mary? He's like, yeah, no problem. So he introduces me. I'm like, hey, dude, like here's, you know, from me, Jose, and everybody else here at Jack Daniels, you know, thank you so much. I wanted to give you this, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. You know, really cool vibe you got here. He's like, you know, bless up. And I'm like, yeah. And for those of not, you know, because it's audio, he's pointing the finger going, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, totally like had a brain fart. I'm like, I don't know what else to say to you, dude. I'm like, I want to be your friend. Can I shake your hand? <laughs> just, that's, that's a great anecdote. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this one's, this one's going to be kind of good for you, I think. If there's anybody alive or dead that you can have a drink with a nice shot of jack daniels with who would that be it'd be my mom so my mom passed away when i was 17 so i'd love to see her and have her see what i'm doing you know today and towards the end uh i remember going to mexico on my last trips and i knew that she liked the party but she yeah. was always very reserved at home mm. so i'm like i would love to have you know a drink with her because i never got to have obviously at 17 you can't drink but I remember one of the last memories that I have of her is we would be in Mexico and, you know, in the old towns, you have the plaza and you have like, you know, the, the, the man kind of walk one way, the women walk another way in the plaza. And like, it's right. all like and everybody mingles, the yeah, couples yeah, kind of yeah, hang yeah. out in the middle. So I was, you know, I think like 15 at the time, but I was uh, with some friends, like on one of the corners, like watching all like the 15 year old girls walk by. And like, I hear a tamborazo coming from the far end of the plaza. And like tamborazo is like when you pay like a band to follow you around and they play whatever song you want. Okay. Right. And I see my parents and I see my mom dancing with my dad. My dad has like my mom in one hand dancing like all, you know, romantically, what have you. And then my dad has a beer in the other hand and my mom is holding him with one arm and holding the six pack with one out. That's in the one, you know, <laughs> That's awesome. and I'm like, looking back, I'm like, man, like I would love to party with them, you know? Yeah. So I get the chance to do that with my dad all the time. I'd love to do that with my mom. Oh. oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> okay, and the seventh and last. I don't know. What can we ask him? Do you do karaoke? Uh, oh, that could be a good one. It depends. What's what's the go-to karaoke song? It depends who I'm singing with. So if it's like, if I'm in like a dive bar, then I'll do like uh, Aha, Take On Me. <gasps> that's my favorite 80s right? song! <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm, uh, if I'm with like older folks and like, I don't know, something that like Jose Jose or... I don't know, una ranchera, any any of those, any of the El Rey, whatever. Everybody knows the songs. That's a good like karaoke song. Right. All uh, right, man. I'm queuing up the seven seconds. Yeah, right. Here we go. Ah! Seven seconds. And Which this one, one are you gonna sing? Uh, none, got... of, none of them now. Oh, oh <laughs> you have seven on. seconds. Ready? To so, do what? To sing yeah. whichever song you would sing karaoke, but in seven seconds. Aha! Uh -huh, take you on me. You know what we're doing. You've been here. You know the drill. Ready? Did you pick a song? Sure. Okay. All right, ready? Three, and two, one, go. Talking away, I don't know what to say. What to say, say, say it anything. anyway. <laughs> I need the lyrics, I need the lyrics, I need the lyrics. <laughs> Take on me. Take on me. <laughs> yeah, and good time. job, good job, hey, good job, good job. Hey, I tried, I tried. That and he, awesome. now we open it up for questions from the audience. Yeah, right? <laughs> crickets. Crickets, crickets. <laughs> Jose, man, thank you for allowing us to come in and do Billy Raul and La Musica here in vivo from room number seven because it's been so much fun and it's been just magical experiences every month. I cannot uh, reciprocate the same sentiment. It's been really great. Thank you guys and it's going to be a good year.
Yes, it will. Yes, because we're continuing in 2020 to bring you more episodes from Room Number 7. Gracias, Jose. Thank you, guys. Saludos. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises, el licenciado Lozano, for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raúl, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels, gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raúl, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. <laughs>